is useless. Use these three economic indicators instead. At the Bitcoin layer, we are building out an entire investment framework, one component at a time. Today's video is part of our cycle approach, specifically using economic indicators to identify where we are in the cycle. Now, remember our core thesis. Why do we care about the business cycle? Because the business cycle dictates returns. Risky investments perform best when the economy is expanding and risk off investments perform best when the economy is contracting. So we need to know where we are in the business cycle to invest appropriately. That can mean switching between risky assets and risk off assets, or it can mean when we get new capital to deploy, how do we deploy it? Now, GDP tells us about economic growth, but the data is quarterly and it's lagging, meaning we don't really get the data until months after it's happened. This is not very helpful for telling us where we are right now in the economic cycle when GDP data is really coming three to six months after it already happened. Now, there are hundreds of economic indicators that are published every single month, but how do we know which ones to choose? Well, at the Bitcoin layer and through my career, I've sifted through hundreds of these economic indicators and we've picked three different indicators that we believe best represent where we are in the economic cycle. We've combined these three indicators into one metric, which we are calling at the Bitcoin layer, our economic cycle wayfinder. And with this wayfinder, we're giving our viewers a way to simply and easily understand where we are in the economic cycle. Now I'm going to break down each one of these three indicators and explain them to you. First, we have the ISM manufacturing PMI. Now let's start with PMI. PMI stands for purchasing managers index. And this is an idea that has taken off around the financial and economic world. This is an idea that we can represent the economy through a survey of managers, meaning executives or people in management positions at big companies around the United States and around the world. So these survey operators conduct these purchasing manager index surveys in which they're asking managers, hey, this month versus last month, are you hiring more people or less people? This month versus last month, are you seeing more new orders for your products or less new orders? And what about the prices that you've paid for inputs for your products? Are you spending more money or less money than last month? There are several more questions. All of this data is compiled into this one number that represents how the economy is expanding or contracting. And these PMI surveys use the number 50 as a midline. This is a way for them to show us how the economy is behaving. Readings above 50 means that the economy is expanding. Readings above 50 means that the answers to the questions were, I'm hiring more people this month than last month. I am getting more new orders this month than last month. If the readings are below 50, it means that the questions are coming back negative. Managers are hiring less people. They are lowering prices. They are seeing fewer new orders for their products. So the 50 line in these PMI surveys is really valuable to tell us how the economy is doing. Now, through time, we have actually seen that PMI surveys correlate beautifully with GDP data, meaning that the GDP data 
lines up perfectly with PMI surveys. When PMI surveys are above 50, it means that economies are expanding. When they are heading towards 60 and increasing, it means the economy is growing robustly. When they're declining below 50, we can see that GDP is contracting. So we do have this way of seeing that PMI survey data does line up with GDP data. And we believe that PMI data is more valuable than GDP data because it does represent the same data, but it's happening monthly. And we get it on the first of every month, sometimes even the week before the month is over in terms of some flash PMIs, which are early indications of the survey. So we're getting this data in real time. We're able to use PMI data to understand where we are in the economy right now. And if you look at this graph that we have of the ISM manufacturing PMI, which is our favorite PMI survey in the United States, we can see that it does line up with the GDP data. We can see the economy expanding when PMI is above 50 and contracting when PMI is below 50. Now for the ISM manufacturing PMI specifically, we have seen that the midline is closer to this 47 number than it is to 50. Now let's talk about why the 50 level is not the end all be all. It's not the most important thing that we need to observe when we're looking at PMI survey data. What matters more than 50, what matters more than whether the economy is expanding or contracting is the rate of change of the economy. This means if the economy is growing, is it growing at an increasing rate or is it actually slowing down even though the growth, uh, even though the growth rate is positive? Or if the economy is contracting, is the contraction accelerating in nature or is it slowing down, meaning that PMI is actually going from the, 40, from the low 40s back up towards 50. That is more important. The rate of change of the PMIs is more important than the absolute level itself because by the rate of change, we're able to see is the economy slowing or growing, not whether the economy is just in recession or if it's in expansion. When we understand if the economy is growing or slowing, we know, are we in the early stage of the business cycle, the mid-stage, the late stage, or the contraction stage? That is the most important thing to take away from this PMI data. What is the rate of change? Now, let's talk about the second and the third components to our Wayfinder. We've introduced two other economic indicators here that we believe are a nice complement to ISM manufacturing PMI, which is a survey of managers and executives that work at manufacturing firms. Well, we've added consumer sentiment and small business optimism as two more ways to gauge the sentiment of the economy. So let's first start with the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. This is a really interesting index that has had a long time series in the United States and correlates really well with GDP. You can see in this graph that we again see consumer sentiment and GDP are strongly correlated. When sentiment is above this 75 line, which we've identified as this midpoint that usually correlates with expansion and contraction, 
we can see that when consumer sentiment is above 75, GDP is positive. When it's below 75, GDP can slip into contraction. So once again, this is a really good leading or concurrent indicator for where we are in the economy. Now, let me read to you actually a few questions from this survey that give you a sense of what type of questions are being asked to the American consumer. Number one, we are interested in how people are getting along financially these days. Would you say that you and your family are better off or worse off financially than you were a year ago? Here's another one. About the big things people buy for their homes, such as furniture, a refrigerator, stove, television, things like that. Generally speaking, do you think now is a good or bad time for people to buy major household items? So we see that these questions are really basic sentiment questions to the American consumer. How are you feeling today? Are you more likely or less likely to spend money? How do you feel about your job? How do you feel about the economy? So this how do you feel question is posed to managers via PMI surveys, and it's also posed to consumers via this University of Michigan consumer sentiment survey. Additionally, for our third survey, we use the NFIB small business optimism index. If you look at this chart, you can see that the midline is about 95. That is when the reading is above 95 on this survey, the economy is in expansion, and when it's below 95, it's generally in contraction. These surveys are not exactly correlated with the economy. Look at small business optimism, for example, going back to the great financial crisis of 2007, 8, and 9. We can see that NFIB small business optimism is materially below 95 all the way up until 2014, 2015. Now, this means that we can use rate of change to understand how the behavior of entrepreneurs is during this time, but not necessarily use the overall level here as our end-all be-all indicator of whether the economy is in expansion or contraction. So what we've done is now we've averaged these three surveys into one indicator called our economic cycle wayfinder or our wayfinder for short. And with this wayfinder, what we're doing is we're bringing ISM, manufacturing, University of Michigan, consumer sentiment, and NFIB small business optimism and relating them all back to this 50 line so that we can use 50 to understand whether the economy is in expansion or contraction and what the rate of change of these three economic indicators averaged into one is. So let's look at our Wayfinder today. With the Wayfinder today, we can see that it has barely slipped below this 50 level, indicating that the economy, from a sentiment perspective, from a survey perspective, is in contraction mode. Answers to these surveys are coming back worse than last month. I'm worse off, I'm buying less. I expect there to be less economic activity. So we can see that with our Wayfinder, looking back at the great financial crisis again, 2007, eight, nine, our Wayfinder was under 50 during this time and popped back above. This does correlate with the recession that happened during that time. We look at the pandemic from 2020, the brief contraction in the economy, we can see that our Wayfinder dipped below 50 quite sharply for that time. So right now we are in this danger zone of heading into recession. But again, like I said at the beginning of this video, 
the absolute level is not important. The rate of change is. Let's zoom in a little bit and let's look at how our Wayfinder peaked actually in March of 2021. This is at least half a year before stocks and Bitcoin peaked in terms of price. Now, when stocks started to accelerate to the downside at the end of 2021 and the beginning of this year in 2022, it actually lines up with where our Wayfinder starts accelerating to the downside as well. But we actually see the peak being several months before the peak in these risk assets. What's the takeaway? Identifying shifts in the business cycle can actually lead to better performance with our investments as we understand when we are heading into a contraction before the markets are maybe able to tell us that. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to our channel, and subscribe to our Substack where we go into our economic cycle wayfinder more in depth. I wanna thank my sponsors, Zebedee and Voltage. I'm really excited about partnering with Zebedee. They are building what I believe is a really important user experience for people that are onboarding to the Lightning Network. Now, Zebedee is a company focused on the gaming industry. So how does that fit in with global macro? Well, you guys know how much I believe in the Lightning Network. And I believe that what Zebedee is doing is it's introducing the Lightning Network to people in a way that makes them understand why instantly transacting Bitcoin is so important. So check out our Lightning address, the Bitcoin layer at zebedee.gg. Go download their new wallet for a great first Lightning Network wallet and get your own Lightning Network address. I'm proud to have Voltage as the sponsor of my Substack. Voltage is powering businesses to be able to run their own nodes, both Bitcoin and Lightning Network. I'm really excited about working with Voltage because I believe they are powering some of the most important businesses in the Lightning Network ecosystem already. Go check them out.